0: This episode was helped brought to you by our newest sponsor, Kelowna Brewing Company. They're a brewery out there in Eastern Iowa. So if you're in the area, make sure to stop by Kelowna and check out their brewery. Great food at the restaurant there, great beer, obviously. If you're in the Midwest, Check out any hy I believe they carry the six packs and they have different types of flavors. So you guys are going to want to, you know, definitely try that out. And I think throughout this whole process, Fishing Kid and myself for Fish Fanatics, we're going to be doing some giveaways here and there. If you guys can go ahead and tag us here and there with your clona beer. Thank you for joining us at uh, Beerfish Fanatics. And this episode is actually brought to you by Whisker Seeker Tackle.
1: So make sure you guys go to WhiskerSeeker.com for all your catfishing
0: gear. Enjoy the episode, guys. So, welcome to another episode of Beer Fish Fanatics. Uh, this is Grandy with Ma Pop Fish. Here we have Kit with the Fish and Kit YouTube channel. And today, we're actually pretty excited because I know Kit really wanted to get you on here and our guest today is uh david weiner and he's the owner and operator uh chasing cats uh it's a guide service here in central iowa and you know fishing kids been really huge into catfishing and he got me into it now and you know what better way to to learn more about chasing catfish than the man himself so thank you so much david for joining us appreciate it man
2: thanks for having me on
0: today I am drinking a. Um, just so everybody knows, I don't know if they can see. Uh, it's the Millstreams Brewing Company out there. Uh, Amana, am I Amana? Did I say it right? Amana, Iowa. Amana,
1: Amana. Sounds sounds right. Okay. Amana,
0: Amana. Man, if I butchered that, sorry guys. <laughs> uh, I'm drinking the the back road stout, oatmeal stout. So it's it's nice and blizzardy outside. So I figured, what better way than to drink a nice warm stout? So what do you got, Kit?
1: Um, I have one from Iowa Brewing Company from from uh, out in Cedar Rapids, and it is their Surf Zombies IPA made with Iowa hops. There you go. They, they,
2: we've had that one before, I
1: think. I think I've had it before. Oh, there we go. Yeah, what do you got, Dave?
2: I have the pineapple bubbly. Oh. In the whisper seeker koozie. Ooh,
0: nice, nice. There you go, there you go. And I don't know if you're aware, we're, we're we're sponsored by Whistler Seeker now, so that's awesome. Um, to have you on here with us and joining us on that. So, cheers, cheers, cheers. Oh, I just cut my fingernails. I am having a hard time over here. Hey, don't worry. I just completely uh, forgot that this is not a nit- so. So this is the thing about beer because they have these things called nitro, right? Nitro stouts because uh, they they infuse it with. Um, they force it to have these nitrous. So when you can you, you do a po- hard pour, it doesn't foam over, right? You do that's that's how you're supposed to pour it. Well, I decided to do it on this one. I forgot that it's not nitrous. It doesn't have it's not a nitro. And I just completely foamed all over the floor here. So no nobody can see it. So that's good stuff, man. My wife is gonna kill me. I did not know <laughs> that about the nitro thing. Yeah, it's that's what it is, because if you go, like, um, they have these beers. I think, like, Guinness does it. Uh, actually, I think uh, a lot of left-hand brewing, they have one out there in Denver, Colorado. That it's called a nitro stout. And you just, when you pour it, it says pour hard. And they literally, I mean, you just flip it over and just let it pour out. And it, it's pretty cool. You kind of see the, the chemical reaction and everything on it, and it doesn't uh, overflow, like what I just did on this one. So don't do that one, guys. Um, but, yeah. Good beer though. <laughs> Love the stouts, man. Um, but all right, man. So let's, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, man, David, cause uh, I don't know if our listeners, um, know they, I'm pretty sure they're going to want to know. Cause uh, I think we have a lot of catfish listeners now, so they're going to want to know what, what is chasing cats all about? What is, uh, David all about? What, you know, what do you do, man?
2: Sure. So, um, my name is Dave Weiner. I own chasing cats guide service. Um, that's a central Iowa fishing guide, um, service that we have that we offer fish Sailorville, Red Rock, a few other small lakes around here. Um, But it's mission driven on having a good time and educating people on how to go back to their home waters and catch fish and do it successfully, as well as have a good safe trip. So that's kind of the the recap of the guiding, a little bit about my personal life. Um, I've been in the fire service for about 14 years now, and I was a firefighter paramedic for a long time I'm going on six and a half years as a fire inspector for a local department here. Mm. And so I do code enforcement. Um, I work part-time doing that. And then I guide part-time in the, the spring, summer and fall months In winter. I'm just kind of taking some time off recouping, hunting, doing some ice fishing, stuff like that. So that's it in a nutshell. I've been married uh, going on 18 years and I have a daughter who is going to be 16 in August.
1: Nice. oh you gonna be driving huh
2: Yeah, she's already <laughs> got that permit so <clears throat> i'm <laughs> co-piloting with her quite often
0: mm, good times i i don't have to worry about that for a while i don't know if that's a good thing or a see, bad thing
2: not see the gray but you can probably see it in <laughs> from-
0: oh man thanks dave got <laughs> i can't wait now man
1: <laughs> yeah i actually took my nephew out driving a couple weeks ago right before the snow hit and He's probably sat behind the steering wheel twice. And then, but it was like a couple years ago. So it was a long time. So he was basically fresh. Wasn't too bad. Wasn't too bad.
0: Still a little nerve wracking. I don't know, man. Yeah. Not gonna lie. (laughs) Once my nephews and and nieces, even my daughters, when they're old enough, I'm gonna be a little like, ah, man, I'm gonna be in the passenger seat probably. I'm gonna be white knuckling sitting in the passenger seat, man. I have a feeling that's gonna happen, but.
3: Oh, well,
2: yeah, there's a little bit of that, like you're going up the hill on the roller coaster feeling. Yes. The whole time. Yeah.
1: All right, Dave. Uh, I, I wanted to ask you, uh, you guide mainly for catfish or is it just specifically catfish or is there other species that you you go uh, targeting?
2: We had a little we had a little breakup there. Oh. Um, could you just repeat the question? You said mainly catfish and then that was where you.
1: Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, I was just wondering, is there any other species you you guide for? So like why why catfish? I guess is what I'm trying to ask.
2: Okay. Um, So that is all I, all I guide for. Uh, There is, there has been a few weeks in years past where the catfish spawn is, is pretty hot and heavy and the bites a little harder to uh, dial in and and get them to cooperate, but that's usually a good time to go out for walleyes. So in years past, I've done like three or four weeks of walleye trips and there hasn't been a lot of people that are wanting to do it. But there's been enough that um, I'll continue to do that as long as I have the availability to do it and the fish are cooperating.
0: Makes sense. Do you do you go after mostly channel cats, or do you do go after like flatheads too, or is there any, or, or is it it doesn't matter, man? Whatever catfish is biting.
2: Yeah, you know, um, everybody has got this fascination with flatheads. They're a very cool fish. I'm not knocking them by any means, Um, but it's like musky fishing. You know, the musky is a fish of 10,000 casts. You can sit out um, flathead fishing for hours and hours and hours and maybe have a bite, maybe catch a fish. And the, the, what you do is, is, you know, if you catch one, it's a really, generally it's a great fish. Um, But I just don't have the patience to sit in one spot or I don't have the boat really to go on the rivers anyways. So I focus on channel cats because I'd rather have you know a fish every five minutes or every 10 minutes um, that you just don't know what the next rule of the dice is going to be. You know, it could be a five-pound channel cat, it could be a 15-pound channel cat. But it's it's generally consistent action and you're always constantly looking for the active fish. So for me, that's a better fit um, than sitting and playing. Is a fish in this area are they gonna bite after an hour two three hours whatever uh, it just isn't my flavor but you know th- for those that do it kudos to them and those that do it well Bravo you know but it's just not my not my thing
0: yeah I mean I I, I don't know much about flatheads and anything so that that's why I kind of wanted to ask I mean are they can you guys tell me, are they only really located in the, the rivers then? Are they not really located in like pond, lakes or ponds or anything? I don't know. So
2: It depends on, uh, you know, one, if anybody stocked the, a pond with them.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I know a few ponds that are stocked with them. But generally they are, you know, a, a river native spe- species. So that's where you're going to find it. But you have to keep in mind, like lakes slash rivers can be almost the same thing. So when you're talking about Sailorville, it's really just a river, <clears throat> even though it's it's in a lake basin. Um, it's fed by the river, and in my opinion, you're fishing the river because you could get anything that's in the river is going to be in that lake. Same thing with Red Rock; it's just downstream. Gotcha. So
1: how do how do you come up with the strategy? Let's say some you know you got a client for today. What's your what's your game plan usually when uh, bringing clients out?
2: I don't know if I want to walk you through like the whole thing, but I guess I'll start at the start and you can tell me if I veered off or not, but- Oh, it's okay, you just do
1: your thing. (laughs) Yeah,
2: I think it's important to at least note it, you know? So Mm
3: -hmm.
2: I'm always there at least 10, 15 minutes early and I'm getting the boat ready. But even before that, at my house, I'm getting everything, I test everything, make sure battery voltage is good, trailer wires are good so I don't get pulled over and be 20 minutes late, you know, just little things like that.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Bait's good, batteries are good and above, all the little details, right? So then when I get there 10, 15 minutes early, I'm getting things set up so that when my clients show up, it's a, it's a real quick ex- explanation of kind of what I expect for them and what they should expect from me. And then we're launching a boat and we're going. So I'm letting them know right off the bat that uh, I'm different than a lot of guides. My thought process is I'm taking two new friends out fishing for the day and we're going to go have the best time that we possibly can. Mm-hmm. and I'm going to give you the best education that I could possibly give you. And when we catch fish, that's just an extra bonus. So I have them do things like help back, back the boat in or park the truck. And it kind of gives them a little bit of a buy-in too, um, that they're not just another number or another just random person, you know, on the boat We're we're working as a team and, and putting it together. So part of that is also if everything is stable, Now I'm going to kind of swing this over to the actual fishing part of it. Last year, everything was stable for almost all summer. So fishing was just a slam dunk. There was no, it didn't take a lot of strategy to to do it well. Um, The weather was good, the water levels were good, and the fish stayed where they wanted to until there was something that changed where, you know, weather-wise or storms or whatever the case is that changed where they wanted to be. So I knew that the majority of the time the fish are going to be in this area or this area. And we'd, I'd go out and we'd spend, you know, 10 minutes and we'd run site imaging. And I'd show them what I'm looking for and how the site imaging works. And if they wanted to go more into detail on that, you know, we'll do like a sonar lesson. And then we, when we go fish that area, I'll say, see, those are like the, the area of fish where we, we started marking them. And this is about where we stop marking them. And then we fish that, it's generally true to, uh, to Pace, where we start catching them when we started marking them and we stop catching them when we stop marking them. So that's my strategy is, is really just getting with the client on a one-on-one before we start. And then two, making them be part of the team. And then three is just doing a small search to make sure that nothing happened weird from day to day and the fish are still there. And then we we work that pattern until it doesn't work anymore. Or we decide, hey, you know what? That's a lot of four or five pound fish. Let's go see if we can get some eight, nine, 10, 11 pound fish. And then we'll go move on to another spot. But it's it's a different strategy. And this is where a lot of people fail. It's a different strategy when you have drastic swings in the weather. Like barometer changes, um, storms you know, we had, I took, I don't know if you guys watched the video that Spencer and I did on the the water last year.
0: Oh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I watched it. I seen it.
2: But that fishing was fabulous. And I told him, Hey, come, you know, come on out. This is, there's no effort involved with this. The fish are in the same spot every single day. We're doing the same thing. And the day he went, went out it was like 25 degrees cooler. I mean, he's wearing a sweatshirt and it was chilly, you know, and those fish moved and it was just a, a, drastic overnight change in weather and it took a while to figure out okay they were here where did they go but once we figured it out and we i kind of played old school on that just real basic thinking and not too advanced and it really paid off and we we hit like three in a row that were i think probably over 10 pounds just as a triple
1: well yeah yeah the triple right when you guys caught three yeah yeah Yeah.
2: Uh, but that was just going back to old school mentality of like okay the fish want to be warm they're used to being warm it got cooled overnight it's cold in the morning my mindset on that one was let's go fish the west shore bank on the rock side because the sun's going to hit that first makes sense and it's going to start warming it up first and we went over there and, and did really well
0: now I'm, uh, I just want to know, you know, you as a guide in, you know, I think Fishing Kid and myself, we, we've had several episodes about technology nowadays and everything. Do you see, you know, everything from the sonars, everything from, you know, the types of fish finders that are out there and everything? I mean, do you see in the use of that going to affect fisheries at all? I don't know. I mean, as a guide, I mean, I'm I'm sure you use it all the time. It's not a guarantee. We, we, we always say it's not a guaranteed catch, but it it helps in regards to helping, you know, cut the, uh, fish finding time, I guess you can say, but I'm just wondering, do you you think that's going to affect like any fisheries or anything like that?
3: Um,
2: I don't think so. And I think that a lot of that really just goes down to the fact that the majority of the people out there. So if you're going to have an impact on fishery, you got to look at the majority of the people, right? Mm-hmm. not a like few people that really know how to dial things in and really know how to use every aspect of their sonar, um, that's available to them. So the average person is going to look for a pot of fish or a few fish here and there. Let's say you mark 20 fish. You might get two of those fish to bite, but it all really comes down to what's the presentation like. Are you using the right bait? Are you, your leader line though? Is your leader line the right length? That's almost like a tongue twister. And, uh, <laughs> You know, it's just, there's a lot to it. So, you know, you can have the best sonar. You can have something down there that says flathead cap, crappies, wipers, whatever. But if you don't throw the right thing or present it the right way to them, it really makes no difference. But then you also have the other people that um, can dial that in. And I can go into a whole lesson just on sonars, but there's a lot of tips and tricks that I use before I even look for fish. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, man, I don't want to start down a rabbit hole and, and end up 40 minutes on that, but <laughs> there's so many advantages that you can use that isn't actually what your sonar is showing you, but it's like your history and your lake maps and understanding the biology of the fish. Mm. So yeah, I can't give all my secrets away, but...
0: I know. That's why I was like, all right, <laughs> we're, getting, we're getting some good stuff now, Kit. <laughs> right.
2: One thing I'll tell you is mark every fish that you catch for like the first three years that you that you catfish and that's a history uh, because you can go in and look at um, all of those waypoints and see dates on them and stuff like that at least most sonars you can and that can start you I can sit on my phone and pull up active captain and I can look through my waypoints and see like okay in April I caught fish on this type of water and this type of structure and then if I go fish in April that's where I'm going to go to just a teeny teaser of what okay some of the secrets we
0: use. he knows what he's doing for a reason man <laughs>
2: but a lot of a lot of people don't think about that you know it's true it's uh, a yeah. tool i use often yeah,
1: it's it's the little things that i guess great right, the uh the casual versus like someone such as yourself like somebody that does it professionally or like even the, the hardcore guys you know they pay attention to those little things that uh, you know just your average Joe wouldn't even think about. Yep. And you were saying you would use a active captain, so you got a Garmin? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I just uh, I just picked up a uh live scope not too long ago.
2: Fish with live scope last year.
1: Yeah. Uh, what do you think?
2: Uh I don't wanna like be the 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 downer, but I wasn't really for Mm. It was, it was interesting at times, and actually, he ended up taking it back. Um, it was interesting at times to see where fish were and see how they reacted to presentation. We mainly did it for walleye fishing and crappie fishing. Yeah, if okay. big fast. You know, did they come closer? Did they shy away? Um, stuff like that. But what it didn't change was knowing that fish were going to be in certain spots, mm. and to me okay I don't need to it's nice to kind of see how they react to it but it's not helping me find any more fish than what I could find without it because I know that where they're going to be at a certain time of the year and so then it's just kind of a matter in my opinion of color bait depth presentation but there's no reason why they wouldn't be there if they were there in similar conditions uh, a year ago or two years ago and and so on I don't know right for ice fishing, that might be different. Uh, one thing I see, though, and, and you guys are going to laugh, because when I ice fish, I took, like, the last two years pretty much off of ice fishing. Uh, I just got so, like, go, go, go fishing all the time that I wanted to have the winters off to do some hunting and do some different things and stuff like that.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But when I go ice fishing, I might drill a total of four holes, and that's it. <laughs> oh. And I always, always catch fish. Um, and I don't mean that, like, I'm bragging way, but... <laughs> It always works, but I have my GPS with me and it's got uh, lake maps, and, you know, and stuff on it. And it's got my waypoints, but it cracks me up when I see people out there with their live scope drilling a hole and they got a buddy out like, you know, 30 feet out drill there. And, you know, and then they go fish on it and of course, like the fish are gone. And then they spend all this time just going from area to area chasing the school of fish and they don't catch fish. But you have to keep in mind that like the small ponds i don't go fish massive lakes in the, in the winter time i just go fish small local urban stuff those fish are always going to be making a circle they hardly ever stop in an area and if they do it's for a very limited time maybe 10 minutes and then they kind of just drift on to another area hmm. <clears throat> so it's kind of like cost versus reward you're going to spend all this time chasing the schools of fish and, and doing different things Oh, you drilled too far—ten feet out, too far. Drilled, you know, ten feet in, type of a deal. And I'm sitting here on like, I might move once or twice. I drill four holes if I can't catch my four holes, and something's wrong. And I'm—I got a pile of fish, you know, mm-hmm. over there. So, I don't know. It's—it's it's a, a decent technology, and it's good for maybe like spider rigging crappies. I think would be killer for it. Um, just because you might be off by 10 feet to the right or left and if you could maybe go over that that 10 feet it'd be fine but for catfishing and for walleye fishing it did nothing but cause a little frustration and wondering why <laughs>
3: that's
0: interesting no that, that's that's good info because that's, that's i you don't look at it in that sense you know as a cat or a walleye fisherman but totally makes sense now um you know if you already know where they're at it what's you know
1: yeah, you're you're spot on with the um, because I found myself doing it It's like I'm I'm constantly looking for something like with the life skill, you know, I'm drilling. Uh, I don't like what I'm seeing. So I just point <laughs> around like, hey, I like that thing over there. I'm going to go over there, drill over there. Yeah, huh, there's no fish over here. So I'm constantly looking for stuff and I find myself not fishing as much opposed to just, you know, just looking for stuff. But when, once I find, you know, what I'm looking for and the fish are there. Then it's pretty cool, but I guess, I guess you still do that without the live scope.
0: Yeah, makes yeah. sense. It's interesting though. I mean, it's 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 just technology, new technology. I think people are still trying to, you know, fine tune it, get you know, using of how to use it and get better in regards to well, using I
2: think, it. I think it would really pay off. Um, like, if you didn't know, lake and you're looking for different types of structures, like log jams or. Mm-hmm rock piles you know things like that i think it'll really pay off versus looking for fish and trying to go catch those fish you know that there's a log jam down there you know there's going to be fish in there at, at some point you know within mm-hmm. an hour time frame there's going to be a school of fish that'll move in there if you know there's a rock pile down there if you sit there at some point fish are going to go to that rock pile so i think it's good for you know uh, searching a new lake for different types of structures you might not know are there, or seeing exactly, you know, I use contour maps 90% of my time, mm. but seeing exactly how that contour looks. <clears throat> it's different when you look at it, so like on a one-dimensional, if you will, screen versus maybe like a three-dimensional live scope where you can see is, I thought it was maybe more like a, a slant like this, but maybe it's more like a drop like that. So, you know, it's, it's, it's got its pluses. I just yeah. think more people chase fish with it than spend time catching fish. Makes sense, man.
0: Uh, so I, like I said, I, I you know, Dave, I, I really started to get into catfishing uh, probably what this past year to summer. I mean, I catfished before, but it, I never really targeted. And it never really, you know, sat there and really just, you know, um, whether I'm the shore or on my kayak, um, what would you recommend someone like myself, like say, you know what, I'm going to start catfishing. I mean, what recommendation as a, you know, as a professional guide, what would you recommend, whether it's gear, whether um, specific types of, you know, body of water to, to target lures, things like that. What, What would you recommend to somebody who's, who's really about to, you know, jump into catfishing, you know, and really target, because I, you know, like I said, I see, you know, Fishing kids' videos. I see, you know, Spencer's. Video. I, I see all the catfish videos. I mean, it gets me excited to see the type of catfish that, you know, they catch. So I want to start getting into that. What would your recommendation be for those people?
2: Well, I think that um, that's kind of a two part answer. You're a little bit more involved with it okay. than maybe like, like your first part of your question is what would you tell somebody who's just starting to,
3: mm-hmm. you know,
2: get, to get started? You have a pretty good grasp, in my opinion, on. Um, you could go out and and make a great effort on, on catching a fish. Right. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Um, but for somebody who has starting from ground zero and literally is like, I have never went catfishing, you know, what should I, what should I do? Uh, I think, and I'm going to plug whisker seeker here. I mean, I fish for them and, and they sponsor you guys, but I I believe it's a good product. Um, and they have a cat pack now, which is like a, a basics, um, every like a, a mini little pack of everything you need to get started. Mm. I'd buy that. And I'd buy a, a seven foot six, medium, heavy rod, some, some weight to put on your sinker slide, and then go catch a, a few bluegills or go throw a cast net for some shad mm. and just start fishing. Um, it's really that simple. There's a few things that um, you really need to keep in mind. And one of those is keeping the belt debate the elevated and off the bottom. That's a, a, Epic fail that people don't realize how important it is. Those fish are going to, that are active, they're going to be up cruising slightly off the bottom, looking for something to eat. Your scent's going to travel further by not having, you know, if this is the bottom, and you take a piece of bait that's, you know, that big or whatever. Everything in Iowa is pretty much a silt bottom. You cast that down, you're going to have your bait, half the bait's going to be covered. The scent is going to be covered on the bottom. And then also that silt that you stirred up, is gonna start covering the top of the bait. So what little scent is there is gonna be covered. Then you have your weight that's maybe 14 inches off the bottom. That hits the silt and it's gonna stir it up too. So you've taken 100% piece of bait that could offer 100% uh, scent in the water. You've initially lost 50% of that right off the bat because it's now sitting in the silt and probably another 20% by what's filtering on top of it. So you've lost 70% of your quality bait by just not keeping it off the bottom little things right yeah yep, the little Dang, things
0: gotta learn man
2: love yeah. it
1: um speaking of bait yeah i don't know if you hop on those facebook groups there's a lot of catfish groups and the question i always see what's the best bait like personally i'm a I, i'm a hardcore believer that fresh cut bait is the best bait but i'm always seeing stuff like kool-aid chicken jello chicken here, can you share your thoughts on, you know, what's a good bait? Not necessarily the best bait.
2: Yeah, no, it's it's easy. Um, the easy answer is you feed the fish what they're used to eating. That's it. All the other gimmick crap, if you will, that, you know, hot dogs and pickle juice or some BS crap like <laughs> that. I don't know, man. It's not for me. I don't follow that. I see that and I usually like to scroll right by and that's not for me, but You have to keep in mind that catfish in general, up to five pounds, are typically scavengers. So they're going to look for something to to eat that's easy and they're not dialed in necessarily into eating other fish at this point. So a perfect example of that is you look at a dip bait, a dip tube, you know, it's about this big, three inches probably, and it's about as big around as your finger and it's got tiny treble hooks on it. So why, do, why is it that we fish with cut bait and use a big hook that's the size of the whole dip bait and dip bait uses a tiny treble hook? It's because that's the type of fish that are going to typically bite that. Is the smaller five pound and under fish that are scavengers and looking for something that smells like maybe food or something different to snack on. Uh, the, the whole design is, is really designed for that. Now you're going to, I know that by saying that you're always going to have the critic that goes, well, grandpa caught a 10 pound channel cat on a, on a, you know, a dip plug or whatever. Just keep in mind that a broken clock's right twice a day. (laughs) So there's always the exception to the rule, you know, but, uh, that's really the, the mentality behind it. Feed them what they're used to eating. I actually, I was actually thinking about, I'm doing a little trout fishing this winter, and I was thinking about um, taking those trout heads and vacuum sealing them and using those for bait and some of the small ponds while I'm waiting for the docks and stuff to come in. Because I know that the ponds in the metro that they stock those trout in have some killer catfish in them. Really? Uh, because here's, and here's why, really, if you think about it, most people don't know this. Um, and I didn't know it until I talked to a, a urban fish biologist that's a friend of mine, Tyler Stubbs.
1: Oh, yeah, know.
2: You know, uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, we're trying to get him on the show. Like, uh, yeah, he'd be good for the show.
2: I can I can probably make that happen before. He's a good friend of mine. Right.
3: Nice.
2: I said, hey, you know, what's the deal? These trout die, you know, every year. And if they do, how come you don't see hundreds of them littering the, the, the shore?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And he said, by design, when trout die, they their bladder system, they sink to the bottom. Well, if you guys have, have ate a trout or even felled a trout, they're a really oily, fatty fish like salmon. Mm-hmm. So if, let's say, you have 500 of them even that, that die when the water warms up and they sink to the bottom, what's going to eat those? Generally, your catfish. So if they're eating a fatty, high, oily fish, they're going to grow massive sizes quickly. Mm. Um, so those places that stock trout generally have a good population of 10 plus pounders that are in there and, and they're fairly easy to catch if you catch them ice out on something they're used to eating.
0: Um Kate, okay, we're gonna have to cut that part out that David just mentioned <laughs> FYI, you know, just for just for the the local ponds in Iowa that stocks trout, you know.
2: We don't want to remember know. catch and release the big ones.
0: There you go. Yes. <laughs> See, actually now that I think about it, uh
1: I don't know if you know who that uh, Josh Pig Patrol guy is. I
3: don't
2: have a clue who that's. At. Um,
1: yeah. He's this uh, YouTuber guy, and his vi- he posts a, uh, a few videos where he goes out to trout trout ponds and catches the trout, and then uses them to catch big catfish. So makes that makes sense. sense.
3: Now,
0: I'm go- now you got me thinking now because I I, I kind of want because see I am still uh, I still have not caught a catfish through the ice yet. I I've been trying and there's opportunities now and now what you're just saying even like you just said uh during the ice out and everything i think that'd be a, a good opportunity to catch some some catfish now that I, I it makes complete sense now when you explain it that way you know what i mean
2: right i think though like when you're catfishing through the ice generally you're using a little bit smaller piece of bait or a more malleable type of bait like uh, shad guts
3: mm-hmm.
2: or bluegill guts or something like that but if you catch a trout you know, and you—they're super easy to clean. You could get it right there, hook that on a on like a whisker seeker, ice cat, or Tomcat.
3: Mm-hmm. Drop
2: that down there. You'd have a—that's a, actually a bloody type of, of guts, which most fish kind of aren't. You know, um, that would be a great like double whammy, right? You got a mm-hmm. trout,
3: over mm-hmm.
2: clean, and you can use that for catfish bait right there.
0: I know where I'm gonna go this weekend.
2: <laughs> I might I got, I put up a new ice shack tonight in the house. So. Oh I,
0: yeah. What, what you end up getting?
2: You guys want to see it? Sure. sure. sure go ahead. <laughs> right, I'll swing you over there.
0: Yeah. Just over the listeners got uh, <laughs> listening um, that who can't see, you guys got to check this out, but he just looks like he got a new, well, what, what is that? A free
2: Yeah. It's an ice ice hunter 200.
0: Nice. There you go, man. Now you, you're balling now, man. You'll be catching some good stuff through the ice near.
2: I just have a little room in there, you know, and not rely on, I, I had, uh, I was actually going to do ice fishing guided trips like three years ago.
3: Mm-hmm. I
2: bought all new equipment and I just with liability with insurance and you know, I'd have people say, hey, I want a group of like six people to go. Well, I'd have to buy four shacks to get, you know all the people in there, where am I going to store four shacks, how am I going to get them to the lake type of a thing. Yeah. It just something that I decided really I didn't want to get involved with. Mm-hmm. So I sold all that stuff, did a little bit more hunting than I normally had, and now I'm like, okay, hunting season's over, ice fishing's beginning, uh, <laughs> buy some gear that I, I got rid of, so that was right. the idea. All
0: right. I'm grabbing another beer, guys, if you guys don't mind, because I love beer. I'm, I'm doing a Peachtree Blanc Fatale now.
2: <laughs> I'm my uh, my pineapple
0: bubble. Nice. I'm using the beer fish fanatics koozie with this beer.
1: You must be thirsty. I'm I'm, I'm still I'm still sipping away at my first beer.
0: Get okay. when you have four daughters that are eight and under, and they got out of school early because of horrendous weather, and then they're running around the house. You'll understand. <laughs> especially especially when i'm working from home and you know how it is right now man so i've right, heard man.
1: the stories i've heard the stories
0: it's all right man see that's why i I'm not you know everybody's like man you guys you guys grind a lot of podcasts i go man this is my man time you guys don't even know man this, this is the only time i get so i, I get a t- chance to talk fishing and drink beer man you know I, I get super excited every time i get a chance to record a new episode man so i wanted to uh ask besides catfish what do you target more Besides, if if it wasn't for catfish, what would you target, and what would you go after more? What what do you love catching? I guess you can say fishing wise.
2: Well, I would go after walleyes and perch. Um, those are my go. Those if I'm not generally catfishing, that's what I'm. That's what I'm fishing for.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and the nice thing about walleye fishing is it's very similar to catfishing, somewhat. So if we're running planer boards, you know we'll have six lines out if we've got enough people that we're not going over the legal limit, you know, but two guys with three line permits, we're running six lines. That's a relaxing, easy type of, of fishing. And it generally works really well, like especially for walleyes in the mid, in the summertime, I think that works great.
3: Hmm.
2: But Sunrise to like nine 30, 10 o'clock. Once the sun starts to get a little high on it, I will go sit over structures and uh, rock piles, brush piles, pallets, whatever. And I'll just vertical jig. And I have a really very, I mean, it's like a $350 Shields jigging rod, but it's so sensitive. I can feel like every grain of sand, it feels like down there, you know, and <laughs> I'm connected with what's, what's on the end of my line. And that gives me a chance to, to be focused, try to beat the fish at his game, so to speak. Hmm. So when that fish is just barely nibbling on the end of that rod and I can just feel it, you know, that's when I'm gonna try to set the hook and, and catch that fish. So it's more of a one-on-one type of a fishing uh, and it's a challenge, and that's what I like about. it perch are even more of a light biter generally, and you really have to be tuned into what's going on. You can't be spacing off. So it gives me a chance to focus on my abilities and what's going on at the end of the line. And that's why that's why I prefer to do that when I'm not catfishing. You guys got to come out sometime, and We put a wall up on them out there.
1: Got it. Hey, sounds fun. <laughs>
2: we had a was it two years ago. We had uh, was 100 walleyes in like four hours. Jeez.
1: Wow. That's like Canada numbers. I right know, there. man.
0: That's crazy.
1: Holy but, cow.
2: You know, we might keep like one a season, maybe two, mm-hmm. everything back, but usually I'll keep one at the start of the season and one at the end of the season and give them a chance to do their thing and, and grow big or at least let somebody else enjoy them.
0: Yeah.
1: Man, that's respectable, man.
2: You had to keep in mind, too, I like, guess. In my family, I'm the only one that eats fish besides my 96-year-old grandmother who loves them. So I've been taking some ice fish home for her. Nice. Um, <clears throat> but the last thing I want to do, especially like after a guide trip, is go home and clean fish and then clean up after cleaning fish, just to be the only one in the whole house to lead them. So <laughs> just assume throw them back and let somebody else have the fun with that.
0: Wish I had that issue. My, ki- my kids, um, surprisingly, they love fish. Like they can't get enough of eating crispy fish. Like you can ask them. You can ask fishing kid. Like, can you get some crispy fish, Dad? Like you know, because I don't get to go fishing all the time, so I have to. Hey, kid, <laughs> did you catch anything? You know, and dude, I, I kid you not. I, I showed them all the time. My kids, they they love crisp, They love fillet fish. They love it battered. They eat it. They they just tear it up. I mean, go figure. Yeah. So, so it kind of gives me a reason to go fishing more, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I just do it because it gets me out of the house and it's somewhat good exercise, you know, over the wintertime.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm for st- sure.
2: At work, i was pretty much stuck in an office most of the part, well, most of the time due to COVID. So
3: yeah.
2: anytime I can get out and move around, even if it's just dragging a shack around or doing something, um, I'm going to take advantage of it just so I don't go too stagnant for not doing much.
1: Hey, speaking of COVID, uh, how has, how has that affected the guide service I feel like you wouldn't have as many clients because people were kind of like wary or did, did did that even matter
2: so I thought the same thing too at the start of the season because normally it's about now I start booking trips um, getting some some phone calls and emails and last year I was I was I was getting phone calls and emails until like yeah well like the first week of March or something kind of when it became a little bit more of a hey, this is something to kind of take seriously. Mm -hmm. And I had probably half my year booked by let's say March 1st. I I have to look at the dates, but that's a round number. And I thought this is going to be a a great year. You know, it's on track to be the best year ever. And then around that first part of March, middle part of March, um, everything just shut down. I went like five weeks without a phone call, without an email. And I'm beginning to sweat bullets because I've got $1,500 worth of boat insurance to pay for, you know, different things um, that I've got to cover before I can even make a profit type of deal. And I don't want to break even. I mean, it's, it's, it's a business, right? Nobody, no business person wants to just break even five, what I say about five weeks, I would put it out like the end of April, roughly. Um, And then I think everybody kind of just got tired of like sitting at home or going, Hey, vacations are going to be canceled. You know, what can we do? That's kind of quick and easy. And it's outside. And once the weather got warm and people got a little tired of sitting at home, I just couldn't keep up. I was running one trip, two trips a day. And what I post on, on like my Facebook page, the guide page is not always what our trips are. So like, I don't want to be the person that just post, post, posts, post, posts, 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 you know, all the time.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: people get kind of tired of it. But so I might post like every third trip, But it doesn't mean I didn't run two in between there. And I mean, I was just, and then you got to keep in mind that that's a a time consuming thing to edit pictures and make a post and make an Instagram post and then make a blogger, you know, post and stuff like that. And then go catch bait in in between and go polish the boat and go back. You know what I mean? So it's like one more thing. So I'm trying to do like a three to four trip post. But anyways, to go kind of go back to that is uh, I couldn't keep up. And actually I want to talk about that here in a second. I ended up, I felt bad. I ended up turning probably 14 trips away um, that I just couldn't do just because I was already doing ones or twos that day, or yeah. they wanted to go in the evening, but I had I had a guy trip, you know, six o'clock in the morning the next day, and I, I knew I had too much stuff going on.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Or I was just tired. You know, there's a time frame too where it's like, I can't do it. You know, I need, a, I need an evening or an afternoon or my kid's got to go to a doctor's appointment or whatever the case is. And, and I just need a chance to not do it. So I think all guiding season, I had like six days off where it was like, what am I going to do today? I'll catch bait, you know, for a couple hours and, and, and relax. But if you think about it, that's a massive amount of time on the water. hmm and lucky, you know, for us is that water levels were good, temperatures were stable, and fishing was out of this world. So I ran too shy of 100 people through my boat this year. Wow. That's that's a lot of early mornings. and.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you go catch um, bait, like, on your own before? I mean, like, I, I'm, I don't know how it works. That's why I'm wondering, like, because obviously, you know, you're, you're a catfish guy, so are you catching, like, bait – um, at night or whatever when you have free time or how does that work or, or are you just catching it right before the trip or what do you do
2: I try to keep you know I try to keep my maximum allowable limit of like bluegills okay and so if I go on a trip let's say it's a four-hour trip and we use 12, 12 fish i start a number out there in my mind I want to go replace those because I don't want to be behind the eight ball mm-hmm. like inventory right I'm not going to catch fish. I don't have the bait for it you're not going to sell 20 items of inventory if people want it and you only have 10 because you're too lazy to go place the order and keep it on a full stock shelf. So that's how I look at it. My baits, my inventory, keep it at my maximum numbers that I can legally. And I, if I have to go fish at nine o'clock at night and fight mosquitoes for an hour or two and catch six, seven, eight fish, then that's what I'll do. Um, but usually I'll try to find somewhere in the, before it gets dark time to, to go do that and, Tell you why in a little bit. I found out that fish like uh, little slim jim pieces, and it stays on the hook good, and your hands aren't like uh, getting all dirty from like ripping worms apart. So I've been using that, and that works pretty killer for those bluegills.
1: Oh, secret bluegill bait, huh? <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's my version of like a uh, hot, like Kool-Aid hot dog. You know, who knows, but it's just it's, it works well. Huh? May have to do that for bluegills. <laughs> Yeah, just ahead of time, you know, I'll go get it, go get one and put it in a Ziploc bag. You know, they're like a foot long. Mm-hmm. I can catch 50 fish on that, you know, over days. I'll just take a Ziploc bag, take a, a palm full, put it in there. And that thing stays on the hook forever. And, and they like it, so it works mm-hmm. out well. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a little bit further into what we're talking about. And so you guys will be the first people to hear this. Um, so be a little bit of a uh, spoiler alert since I haven't put anything out there, like officially. Being as busy as we were last year and turning all those people away, um, I'm going to expand this year. And so we're going to have um, another guy that is going to work with me. And they're also going to do multi-species and cat, uh, catfish stuff. And they have a great flathead area that they uh, are going to fish on. So it'll be good because that person's available in the, in the evenings, in the weekends, where I'm kind of fried by that point. Um, and so I'm going to, we've got things most all by ninety percent worked out. Um, and then they're going to do the trips that overflow for me or on days where I'm like, I just, I need a break, you know, mm-hmm. type of deal, so
0: nice. That's awesome. That's, that's good to hear.
2: First people to hear that. So
0: that's mm-hmm. awesome. So like I said, anybody listening to this got to come to, I mean, people need to know central Iowa has got some great catfishing and you're. I mean, it's that's awesome to hear that you're expanding and you're gonna give an opportunity for others to to. And then actually, it's a good opportunity for you to take a little little bit of an R and R here and there, though, because I know you get pretty busy.
2: Well, I, and I'm not afraid to work. I'm not complaining about being busy, mm-hmm. but I also don't like losing clients. Yeah. If I don't have to, and if I have somebody that I know I can trust and that's going to do a good job and that I would put my name, you know, um, on and they can help me out
3: mm-hmm. and it helps
2: them out and then, then by all means do it. And I just don't want it to come across though. they like, man, I just don't want to, I don't want to be busy, you know, or anything. Cause that's mm-hmm. definitely not the case. Um, it's just sometimes there's only 24, well, all the time, there's only 24 hours in the day
3: mm-hmm.
2: and there's only so much you can do in a 24 hour period. So when somebody says Thursday is the only day that I have to go, and Thursday doesn't work for me, now Thursday might work for me. You know, type of a, of a thing. So, that's what I'm looking for by doing this. Is I'm one person trying to take a hundred people out of here,
3: mm-hmm. and
2: we've got a short amount of time to do that. So, um, this will help with that.
0: That's awesome, man. Good to hear, man.
2: Yeah,
1: it's always a good thing to be too busy. <laughs>
2: yeah that's all right right.
0: very true man
2: so what do you guys what's what's next on the dog you want to go into any more deep deep stuff or you want to just uh you know what
1: we didn't actually talk about uh the actual catching part for catfish so what are what what techniques are you using are you drifting trolling anchoring up when you're uh, taking taking clients out yeah if you could kind of go into that a little bit
2: sure so everybody laughs when I tell them I don't even own an anchor in my boat. I don't own an anchor period.
3: <laughs>
2: I use, if I need to anchor, I use spot lock or spot lock, you know, and, a, and a, um, a wind sock, depending on what, you know, what the situation is or what the current is or whatever. But it goes back to what I said earlier about patience. And I don't have a lot of patience to sit on anchor. You know, I want to be moving looking for the next bite and looking for the next group of fish that are actively feeding. I don't personally, this is me, right? I don't have an hour's worth of patience to sit there and just watch lines in the water. Can't stand it, can't stand that. That's not for me at all, I'd rather just stay home. So yeah, I mean, mean, my technique on catching them is what I specialize in, and that's trolling and drifting. But primarily trolling, um, which is in a sense, basically the same thing as drifting. There's some technique differences, like how to set up drift stocks to keep your boat in a certain position, And there's times where trolling just the conditions are too bad, and you can't go out at a a slow pace, and so you have to drift. Um, But man, I will tell you what, throwing drift socks over the side of my boat is the last thing that I will do, um, only if I have to, because I'm running two like they're nine. I have to look and see that they're like 86 or 92 inch drift socks, something like that, and I run two of them. So if you think about it's we got a 19 foot boat. It's 18.6 or something like that, but it's basically 19 feet. We have almost half of that or more than half of that covered by drift socks. If I'm taking out somebody who doesn't know how to play a fish and land a fish, they end up in the drift socks.
3: Oh.
2: And so that's my reason why I hate dealing with them um, is just, I don't like when a fish gets tangled in it and I don't like losing a fish because they're trying to do something to maneuver out of the, out of the way of the drift socks. Um, and really, if those conditions are that rough anyways, fishing's not always the best. So mm-hmm. guys will argue that too. I mean, and I've had days where it's like three foot waves, you know, we fished a tournament of rathmen. Um, Me and Matt Davis, the guy that owns Whisker Seeker, and man, that boat was rocking. I mean, that, I have a video of it. It was just insane, the waves that were out there. And we drifted it and we caught, I don't know, 150 catfish probably in an eight hour period. It was nonstop. Jeez. But that's a rough condition, right? I mean, it's not something I really want to necessarily take somebody who's never been on a boat in before out mm-hmm. in. And I feel like I just kind of went all around that topic, um, but hopefully I got the middle of it, you know. You did. I prefer to, to troll, or I prefer, prefer to troll. And even going with that, you know, I had to buy a, a more more specific trolling motor for my boat. So I have the TROVA, but I I have the longest shaft TROVA that's available. So I control on those choppier days where most guys can't because their their bows coming up and that's pulling the trolling motor out of the water. So you know you look at that that's like three hundred bucks more to go that route, and then the mounts like three hundred dollars more than just a regular mount. Um, so you're like six hundred bucks more into it just to make it work on worse conditions. Got to do what you got to do, right? Exactly.
0: Yeah. What would you say, David? I mean. Um is the the best part of being a guide for catfish and the worst part of being a guide for uh, for catfish
2: hmm. like i said earlier i look at every trip as i'm meeting i'm taking two new friends fishing so that's the best part especially when i take like couples fishing
3: mm-hmm.
2: you now oh my wife doesn't fish or, or the wife will say oh, i fish but my husband doesn't fish you know or whatever the case one of the two usually isn't the one that's that's fishing and when they hook into that, or they see that like, you know, seven foot six rod just get laid over. And it's like, oh God, this is, this is reality. It's on, you know, type of a thing. That's what I enjoy the most of, of it. And then we're working together, you know, I say, okay. Now I tell them ahead of time there's, and this is like probably a whole nother show topic, but all the details of actually landing a fish that people fail on and lose so many fish but I tell them, you know, when the rod bends over, there's a certain way you crank the handle. There's a certain way you take the rod out of the rod hole. And by not doing those things, you will lose a fish nine ounces, guaranteed. So I walk them all through it. And, and maybe, like, they, they missed the first one or two because they didn't do what I was telling them. And the rod tip's whipping because they're cranking like a crazy person, you know, or whatever the case is. So there's, like, so many subtle little details that make it successful. So when I see him put all those pieces together, and then at the end result, you know, I go, okay, we're going we're gonna to land this fish together. You know, if I take a step to the right, that's a step. If I tell you to take four steps to the right, you need to take steps to the right. And when we all work together as a team, we get the fish in the boat, and we take a picture of him holding it, that's the best part. The worst part is people that show up, I think.
1: Hey, guys, it's Fishing Kit. I'm going to jump in really quick. I know it sounded like Dave said that the worst part is when people show up. Uh, that is clearly not the case. We had a little audio hiccup. The worst part is when people show up late. Okay, I just had to clarify that. You know, I didn't want any confusion in there. Anyways, here's back to the podcast.
2: That drives me insane. I don't know, I think my time's value. I think my time is valuable. I would think their time is valuable. But it, it, it's it's aggravating when people show up twenty, thirty minutes late and mm. don't call or, you know, whatever the case is. So you don't want to be the guy that just leaves either. You know yeah. so i don't know there's a time to fish and there's a time to, to be late and nope. those two don't don't go to get my, my opinion so it's it's aggravating especially when i got everything ready 20 minutes ahead of time and they're running 20 minutes late and i'm sitting there for 40 minutes just sitting there yeah thinking okay i gotta drop these guys off and then i've got another group coming so i gotta call the other group and say hey you know we're running 20 minutes late cases and i don't know just be on time that's it's that simple
0: yeah
2: it's honesty, right? I mean, I, I don't no. know what else to tell you. but
0: No, I agree with you. I, I'm, I'm very difficult for me with the four daughters, but I, I, I'm slowly teaching them that. No, got to be on time. I, I I, wholeheartedly agree with you in regards to time is precious. And if you take somebody else's time, and worse, you know, be on time. I agree with you. Yeah. You would
1: think since they're paying you, right uh you would think they'd be like oh man i need to get there early so i can maximize my time out on the water opposed to oh i'm half an hour late so i paid for four hours but i'm shorting myself 30 i'd be like i'm I'm there
0: probably before you (laughs) i'm paying for it you know what i mean like you just said
2: (laughs) yeah i i I don't i don't get that either but i took a i'll just give give you this real quick story one time about how some people think and it blows my mind i can't i can't figure this um, I had a Father's Day four years ago, I think it was. And I told these people I'd meet them at the dock. At, let's just say it was 6 o'clock in the morning.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So I'm there at 5.50, 5.45. I get everything ready and I'm sitting there, you know, on the tailgate waiting for people to show up. And there's cars in the parking lot. Nobody's coming over. So it's like 6.10. And I text them, you guys getting close? Nothing, 6.15. I finally call. I said, hey, you know, what's the deal? You guys... On your way, get a lot better directions. What's what's going on? No, we're sitting here in the parking lot having donuts and coffee, and we see you. We'll be over there when we're ready. I was like, <laughs> okay. So I waited for you know, 15, 20 minutes, and they're still having donuts and and so I I called them. I didn't know which car they were in because there's like I said, there's a bunch of cars in the parking lot. You know, and holidays or Father's Day, the lakes are always busy. So I said, hey, I don't know what you guys' plan is here, but I'm gonna go like five more minutes, and then I'm gonna head out and spend time with my family because apparently you think my time's not valuable, and we have a schedule to keep. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's, you know, we'll be over there in a little bit when we're ready. It was like five or ten minutes later and they finally showed up. So you, the mentality of some people blows my mind. I, I don't understand how that's an acceptable thing to do when you're uh, paying somebody for their their time and service. Exactly, but,
0: it's crazy. Well, yeah. I guess. I guess they had money to blow. I guess I don't know. <laughs> it's weird, man. No, I agree with you.
2: Yeah. stuff like that's irritating, and you wouldn't see, you wouldn't think about that. You know, like if yeah. You said, "Hey, I want to start a guide service." You'd never think you're going to have to deal with the people that want to have coffee and donuts and show up when they're ready while you're there 15 minutes ahead of time.
0: Oh man people got to deal with sometimes but you know what it's all right man you bite your tongue and you just did it and that was awesome man <laughs> it yeah. is what it is sometimes <laughs> oh man man we've been talking for about not we might have to have david back here again k because I, I i have so much more yeah you got, you got anything else for him before uh anything else because i know you you had a lot of questions for david so i just want to make sure you get some questions asked Fire,
3: if you want.
2: I got, I got half a can of bubbly left
1: Uh, did we talk about rigs what rigs are you typically Mm. using
2: well my favorite rig is the uh, whisker seeker stinger I love that rig that's the double hook rig Um, Mm. I use that probably three out of six rods Mm. we'll have that on there but typically always for certain have that on my outside rods Um, there's a little strategy behind that so I don't know if I want to give that up yet or not but we'll see (laughs) get <laughs> okay, going on, I'll talk about this, but it goes into walleye trolling and how when the boat turns, you know one rod is moving faster than the other. OK. So you getting this? So the outside rod you know moves faster than the inside rod. So on a turn, it's like the center of a circle. The outside's going to spin out faster, and the inside's shorter, so it's going to move slower. So I always have a singer on the outside rods. and I start in my head, I'm, I'm watching the outside rod when I turn getting more bites? If so, then I need to pick up my pace. If the inside rod's getting more bites, I'm going, going on a turn or maybe I need to slow down. But having those double hooks on there, when you have a change in speed like that, I think offers more hookups, whether they bite short, bite long, whatever the case is. I don't know. Maybe it's just superstition too, but I always have stingers on my outside outside corner rods. But that little nugget, right, that you can use... Mm-hmm. I learned that walleye fishing years ago trolling uh, Craig Bates for walleyes that's my go-to rig and then really I just like to keep it simple you know uh, a rattler and um, maybe a versa route like that it's it's always the same the same rig which is kind of nice because if you are walleye fishing five of, this, five of that and maybe today it's purple and tomorrow it's pink and then the next day it's shark truce and <laughs> it doesn't matter it's just Give them what they're used to eating and from there. So that's pretty much it. It's a Santa, Santa Cube rig, and to keep it simple process, the kiss process, and I don't change it up too much from there.
1: Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a really I like, uh, I like to use when I'm fishing for cats in the kayak.
2: Yeah. So if you, I don't know how you, if you fish your two rods, but, um, or three, I don't know how you, how you do that. I can't remember from your videos, but just try that. Or next time you're like in a boat, notice which whichever rod when you go to turn mm-hmm. it's a bite because i guarantee you like nine out of ten times when we make some type of a turn we'll catch a fish it's either on the outside or the inside hmm. you start putting those little pieces together early on in the trip you're going to realize that hey you, know, you need to go faster you need to go slower or whatever
3: Hmm.
1: yeah i guess that makes sense because yeah, yeah. let's say you got a fish like creeping behind your bait and then it speeds up and he's like "Ooh, i gotta get it or the uh the opposite case, like it slows down, and then he's like, Oh, here's my chance, and then he then he grabbed it. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense.
2: Yeah, and it, it's I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's it's something to do with their instinct, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if their thought process is really that, but um, <laughs> it says something changed in the speed. You're going 0. 0.5, 0. 5, 0. 0.5, and now all of a sudden you make a little sharper turn, maybe that 0.67 on that outside rod. Um, is just going to trigger their instinct to go nail it and bite it or if they're just trailing behind and it slows down their instinct says that that's where I that's what I want that's that's what triggers my biology to eat and that's what I'm going to go for and if it triggers one it's going to trigger 50 that day so
1: it's those little things we were talking about <laughs>
2: I'll tell you what though I mentioned earlier there's so many people who fail at getting a quality hook set just on, you know, getting the rod out of the rod holder and reeling the fish in and that first initial three seconds determines the next, you know, five minutes of the fight. And there's so much, I won't go into that because we want to have something to talk about at a later time. Should may be maybe like some of those details, but there's definitely a right and a wrong way to, you, you can't just go trolling the lake and, and always be successful. It comes down to reeling, reeling the fish down, setting the hook, getting the rod out of the rod holder the right way. And, you know, reeling that fish in and fighting the fish properly, because I mean, I, I tell you what, after seeing hundreds of people do it wrong, and I tell them right off the bat, like, don't do this. You do this, it's not going to work. Um, and when they do it once, I'll say this here is exactly what happened, because from the minute, like the, the rod goes down, I'm watching exactly what they're doing. Again, it's an educational thing. It's not always about putting how many how many fish you can put in the boat. Mm-hmm. It's an educational thing. On okay, great. Now we got the fish to bite. from fifty yards behind us to in our hand? The right and a wrong way to do that.
0: We're gonna have to get you back on for that one, dude. Because I, I I need to know that. Because um I I gotta get better in my the what was it the conversion rate? I think that's, yep the conversion my conversion rate in regards to bites and yeah I suck. <laughs> so
2: well it's probably something that's really simple to correct too.
0: You, you might be right so see everybody's gonna listen to this like okay we got we got we gotta have david back so he can get a little bit of knowledge on on conversion right i think that's it's crucial i think in in any fishing we all get bites everybody gets bites it's it's the conversion of create you know taking those bites to actually landing it that's you're right that's huge so anything else kit man yeah so if uh if any of our listeners
1: want want to get a hold of you uh dave so how you know where can they reach you at
2: well uh if you guys are able to type anything in here later on maybe a a link would be good well the best thing is probably my website which is just chasingcats.com and i own it with the g or without a g so if you type in chasing with the g it'll bring it there or chasing without the g it'll bring it there too so chasingcats.com um you can send me a message on facebook It's at uh at chasing cats, or you just type in the search bar chasing cats guide service. You'll see it. Instagram, same thing at chasing cats. And then I have a blogger page that for all the people who don't want to do the social media platforms, but still want to keep up. Um, and there's links to that on my website as well. Can I, uh, I'll give you my phone number too, if that's works or. Sure. Go right. You can call uh, anytime. It's 515-979-9624. And then uh, I'll do a, a, shameless plug for a seminar we got coming up if that's okay with you guys go right ahead uh, so brad Durk and i and ted allen becker are going to do a seminar in sioux falls south dakota and it's march 5th i believe i'll have to look it up but it's either the 5th or the 6th whatever that saturday is there first saturday in march okay and i'm gonna i'm gonna cover this year the basics of trolling and drifting again and it's gonna have all those details and a lot more when I'm going to have some video I can play with that and show people like, Hey, look at how this person did something wrong or, you know, or this is, is is the right way to do it type of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's $50 a person. And I'll tell you what, uh, Brad's been a a guide on the red river for several years. That's his full-time gig. Um, So he's going to cover the river, river aspect of it. I'll cover the trolling and drifting part of it. And then Ted Ellen Becker is pretty much the Yoda of fish biology for flatheads. Nice. That guy knows anything and everything there is to know about them. He's got a video that, or like a, it's a like a video book that he puts out. But his, um, I won't go too far into this, but his seminar that he'll do that day is pretty much based on. Tagged fish and the, and the studies from tagged fish to show how fish relate to rivers and and lakes and where to where to find them at different times and stuff like that. So it's incredibly educational, mm. um, based off of fact, not opinion. Hmm. And it works pretty much for every fish that's out there. He's got the factors of three. He calls it. Yeah. If you line up these three things, you're going to catch fish. It doesn't matter what the species are.
0: Cool. And then you said this is in March.
2: It's the first weekend in March, for first Saturday okay cool
0: sounds good man so um other than that yeah yeah, no uh fishing kit definitely he'll he'll put all the links and everything uh how to get a hold of you how to you know set up some time and and biggest thing reach out today right now if you guys want to schedule some time for 2021 as he said he's expanding so that's badass of you um so you guys have an opportunity to get him on the guide service and everything so um like i said man thank you so much I, i Gotta have you back because I, I gotta learn some more information. I gotta get get some more information from you, David, on on the fishing side and and become a better angler. I, I think that's uh that's my the goal. So, like you say man,
2: I love talking to you guys, but there's so much to go over that an yeah. hours like just barely scratching the surface, you know. So if you guys want to do it again, you know, we'll do it again and we can go as far down that rabbit hole as you want to go. I'm fine with that. Or we can keep it simple again too, it doesn't matter
1: yeah we could we could go down into the nitty-gritty
0: next time (laughs) yep we'll we'll definitely get down to the yeah i i want to learn more and more about techniques and everything but we'll we'll definitely we'll we'll dive into that so uh but like i said man thank you so much for just even giving us the opportunity just to learn a little bit about you your business the guide service everything about your you know fishing and especially catfish because like i said i'm getting into it so hopefully i can get a little bit better at it man awesome thanks guys all right. Thanks, all right, Dave. Cool. Thank you.
1: Can you hear me pouring beer?
0: No. I don't know. I can't hear anything. All right, I'm recording anyways, but I'll record real quick. So here we go. Um, all right. Welcome to uh, Beer Fish Fanatics. And this episode is actually brought to you by Whisker Seeker Tackle. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah.
3: here, do it. We'll do it again here. We'll do it again. Hey, we can always
1: just cut it in there. Yeah. Well, it's kind of It doesn't weird. have to be one take
0: true but it's kind of weird we'll do it real quick we'll do it okay because you can just cut this part off anyway when you put it on uh